0: Have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me fill you in on a few things. Like first and foremost, it's free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Then Anchor is going to distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on multiple platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more. Even better, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And it's so easy, even somebody like me can do it. Now download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And I know you hear me.
1: I know you hear me. I know you've heard me. This is Jen Silverman, previous podcast guest, as well as Flynn's annoying little improv sister. You can find me on my socials on Twitter at JSilve underscore vo, Instagram Jensilve underscore vo, or my cosplay page, captain underscore all underscore Your guess is as good as mine as to where Flynn is, so I'm going to hack into his old improv documents and read them out loud. Or not. <laughs> Hi, Flynn. Welcome back. (laughs) Gotta go. Bye. Enjoy the podcast.
0: Welcome back to another exciting, awesome episode of the I Know You Hear Me podcast with me, Flynn Hendricks. And Gosh, I can't tell you how excited I am to be here tonight because when I tell you we've got a world championship caliber guest, I mean we've got a world championship caliber guest. And to say I've been looking forward to talking to this guy has been an understatement. Tonight's our chance to get reconnected after our one match 10 years ago, just actually 10 years ago, a couple weeks ago. And if you've been paying attention this season, you'll have heard me reference this match several times uh, throughout this season with multiple guests on the show. But before we get into all that, I've got to take a minute and encourage you to go check us out on all podcasting platforms and subscribe if you haven't already. What are you waiting for? We're on all podcasting platforms. We're on Google. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. Wherever you get your podcasts from, we're there. And my other podcast, Tales from the Haunt, is there too. So go ahead and get subscribed and leave a five-star review and then share it with your friends. And while you're at it, go check out both podcasts on all social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm on all those platforms. My co-host for Tales from the Haunt, Just Jeff, is there too. And what are you waiting for? Go get caught up with us and find out who we've got coming up in the pipeline for our guests on all of our episodes down the line. It's something that you don't want to miss out on. So, guys, go ahead and get subscribed, share it with your family and friends, and help build that network. Now, before we bring on my guest today, we're going to take a quick pause for a word from the Give Me Back My Podcast Network. We are back, and man, oh man, it's time to give this guy the introduction he deserves. So let me make sure I do it justice. No pressure. This guy is a modern-day hero. He is one of the most decorated cruiserweight wrestlers in the state of Texas. He is a former NWA World's Junior Heavyweight Champion. He is also one of the longest-reigning NWA World's Junior Heavyweight Champions. He was never defeated for this title. And on top of that, he's also a husband. He is a father-to-be. He is a personal trainer. He is a gospel influencer. He is involved in ministry work. It is my pleasure to have on the show Kevin Frazier, formerly known as Kevin Douglas. Kevin, how are you, man? I'm doing
1: outstanding, man. I, I'm uh, so excited to reconnect with you. Same and, here. And just a really, a really a privilege uh, for someone to invite you uh, to be part of uh, what, what they're doing. And, you know, uh, I feel like it, it's really funny because, you know, wrestling... Creates these these almost kind of like brotherhood. Mm-hmm. It has this brotherhood, but there's there's something there's just something like about you know when you and another wrestler kind of click and you have that chemistry. Oh yeah, it's almost like you become immediate family. And so uh, I kind of feel like you and I kind of had that connection. Uh, you know, though we only got to wrestle one time. Absolutely, uh, it, it's definitely a match that I always referenced um, when people ask me about my title reign. And uh, it's, it's, again, just kind of, uh, again, a real privilege just to be a part of the show. So thanks for having me on.
0: Oh, well, dude, that, that is my honor. And I'm humbled by everything you just said because, I mean, it, it's nice to know that it stuck out that much to you as well. And, I mean, like all these years later, any name that I've wrestled, like this one still ranks up there. And that was our, like the connection was there and that was our first meeting. You know, and we'll we'll jump into all that too. But, man, that I am truly humbled by all that. And of course too. I got to have a fellow podcast brother on here. I didn't I didn't reference that in your intro, but man, you're a podcaster too, so we got to get the word out and connect with each other and talk about your podcast too.
1: Absolutely. Um if you want me to just to kind of give you a brief synopsis Absolutely. about what we do, um you know, when uh, when I was a wrestler, I had a couple of guys that were you know, initially they were they were Kevin Douglas fans and supporters mm-hmm. uh, but they also you know were a, a media outlet they they were doing the original blog talk radio uh, message boards and I'm dating myself here <laughs> um, and you know uh, they had you know even a website newsletter all that kind of stuff just kind of really pioneers yeah. pioneers in that era and me being kind of one of the one of the early adopters of social media, uh, during, you know, during my wrestling career, uh, we all kind of kind of connected via the internet and, you know, just how things go. Mm-hmm. And then as the years went on, we, you know, they kind of became my personal media outlet. So nice. whenever I wanted to pump a story or I wanted to get a video out there or I wanted to start a rumor, um, you know, they, they would be the people I would go to. And uh, those were just friendships that kind of stayed. So the the name of the... the um, the name of the podcast is called The Alliance Guys, and you can find it on YouTube. Uh, there's also the Alliance—I believe it's um, the Alliance blog—is the uh, the website, so you can mm-hmm. Google that as well. And um, and just also too, just for reference for people on the show that may want to like, like, who are you if they never, you know, I don't expect everybody to have heard of me. Um, but my wrestler i, I went—I wrestled by the name of Kevin Douglas. Uh, later in my career, I was also known as the Modern Day Hero. Yep. So if you wanted to get some of my info, you can always just Google Kevin Douglas wrestler uh, on YouTube or, 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 on Google. And you'll, you'll get plenty of, you'll get plenty of, uh, uh, of content. But, uh, so we, so of course our connection, our main connection was the national wrestling Alliance. Mm-hmm. And, um, that was kind of what they mainly covered. And so me having a big ties with the, re- the, the national wrestling Alliance early in my career. And then, and then at the end of my career, uh, they, you know, we we did most of our stuff about around the NWA, and then once I, you know, kind of started to really elevate within the brand, um, you know, they 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 covered every covered every step of the way. And then after my career ended, uh, we all just kind of stayed friends. And then one day they were like, "Hey, man, you know, like you want to pop onto our our podcast sometime?" And I was like, "Of course I do!" And then so right. I did that and uh one thing led to another and it was kind of like um you know you have the you have the football game where you have the you know the you have the color commentator and then you have the play-by-play and most of the time those color commentators are guys that have had experience and the, yep. the play-by-play are usually like broadcast guys mm-hmm. and so i kind of have this you know my role on the show is just kind of like what the wrestler sees right you know right. what i'm looking at and, and just you know really getting the take from like. uh you could say behind the curtain in some ways, but also too like what 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 am I looking at when I'm looking at a match, and, and what do I see? And and you know, there's a lot of times in wrestling stuff will happen, and you, you're you kind of scratching your head, and you don't mm-hmm. know why. Uh, and again, having that kind of that perspective uh, helps helps open our eyes, and so our Absolutely. our they really enjoy that. And uh, so you know, we, we do the podcast every Thursday. Um, it's at eight. We so so Devin is in Texas, Jay mm-hmm. is in California, and I'm in Florida. So we're we're actually all across, literally across the nation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when we're doing the show, so uh, I believe we start at eight p.m. Eastern, seven Central, uh, six Mountain, and then five p.m. Pacific. That's it. And you yep. know, after off, talking to me offline, how bad I am with these time zones. <laughs> um, so, so it's yeah. a thing. So yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 i mean i've lived in so many i've lived in three now Whew, um, man. so it's kind of and i spent a lot of time in california so i've spent a lot of time in all these time zones but you lose track after a while oh absolutely and uh so so yeah so we do the so that's we do that on thursday nights uh feel free that the shows are the shows are actually air live and but also too so you never know what's going to happen and then also you know you can always catch them on the alliance guys uh on the Alliance Guys uh, YouTube channel. And we're we're inching closer to 1,000 subscribers, so if anybody on your show becomes that thousand subscriber, I believe we're doing some kind of belt giveaway or something for them. So So go over there and subscribe to the channel. So there's a little bit about the podcast.
0: Absolutely, and that's a perfect reason right there for me to have some links in the show notes, so I'll make sure that we have that for our listeners to check out. Absolutely. But on on the wrestling subject, man, let's back it up a little bit and tell me more about what drew you to wrestling and how you actually got in the business.
1: It's, it's really funny because, um, you know, people that – you spoke about my faith.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, I, I am a Christian. Uh, I have been a Christian since I was a kid. Uh, interestingly enough, I found Christ at a church camp. Not I didn't grow up that way. I didn't have any – I didn't have anything like that in my life, really. It's like right. maybe, you know, just talk from my, my mom here and there, but it was never like we didn't have Bible studies or anything. We didn't go to church. And so, uh, for a while, for a long time, I never really got plugged, plugged into church. And so I got really after I'd been in the wrestling business. And, um, so I say all that just to say, um, when I was, uh, I was a big time baseball player in high school and then my career ended really, really, uh, bad, not by mm. injury, but just, uh, someone series of, of bad decisions on my behalf, mm. uh, being a latchkey kid and, you know, alcoholic for a father, I, yeah, I pretty much did whatever I wanted to do, and my coach and I didn't get along, and
2: I, I ended gotcha. up getting
1: kicked off the team before my senior season, which cost me all my chances at scholarships mm-hmm. or anything like that. And uh, I was just kind of lost in life, and, uh, you know, I was talking to my mom one day, and she was like, well, I mean, I guess it's come to this. You might as well pray. And, uh, you know, and many times we think that we th- that's the last resort instead of the first resort, but yeah. in reality, it probably should be the first thing we do, not the last thing. That's it. So, uh, so I prayed, you know, and I asked God for guidance. And one day I'm in my English room, I mean, my English class in, in 12th as a senior in high school. And God really spoke to me in my English class. And we had a conversation about what I was going to do with my life. And uh, when I said, you know, I I, I threw a, something out there like commentator and kind of, kind of like, oh, that's too easy. You know, pick something that nobody's going to believe you could do without me. And so I I said, all right, professional wrestling. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking Rey Mysterio, who was my favorite at the time. And, right. You know, we're talking like 96, 97 here, and um, you know, I, I just thought, you know, I, I don't know if I can do this, but it's something I really love to do. And I was a big fan of the Von Erics growing up. And at that time, I was a closet wrestling fan. Meaning mm-hmm. every Sunday, I would you know would tell my friends I wasn't I wasn't a- available. And uh, I would, you know, use my dad's pirated cable box to watch, you know, WWF and WCW and ECW. And uh, eventually my friends caught wind of it and everybody started coming to my house. And, you know, <laughs> we'd always have a big deal on Sundays and Monday nights. And, you know, it's funny. I'd be, I, we'd be all putting each other in wrestling moves and all that kind of stuff.
0: Oh, and, yeah.
1: Um, you know, it just, it just kind of one of those things where it was a one thing led to another. And I worked so hard my whole life as a baseball player to be good and I was never anything but above average and my first day on a mat I actually found this um mixed martial arts they didn't call it that back then it was called no holds barred mm-hmm. uh, you know no rules fighting kind of thing is what yep. was called. it you know kind of had that that kind of had that uh you know forbidden kind of thing about it back then and, and a bare knuckles was another term that we used. And, so I found that, and I thought, okay, well, this is the closest thing I could find. It's not like you could find a pro wrestling school in the phone book like you can now. Yeah, um, you know, it just wasn't easy to get into the business back then. And uh, you know, my first day on a on a on a mat in combat, doing stuff like that, we did all kinds of mixed martial arts. We did what's called ballet Tudo, which is like a mixture of all mixture of martial arts. It was pretty mm-hmm. much kind of the forerunner to MMA. It wasn't called that at the time. So I got I you know we my instructor we did Brazilian Jiu Jitsu we did Judo we did Sambo Russian Sambo we did Muay Thai we did uh, American kickboxing and boxing those were our main things and his primary thing was wrestling he was a a, a Junior Olympian All American wrestler or a Junior Olympian for the Swedish team uh, wow. in, in wrestling so he he was a highly accomplished wrestler an undefeated um, fighter. And his name was Raphael Perlunger. He ended up moving out to Florida. I've never connected with him after he moved and left. But um, my first day on a mat, I was 10 times better than my entire life playing baseball. Wow. And I, I just wow. knew, like, right away, I was like, you know, it's like kind of one of those. It was not only like a moment in my life, but it's almost kind of a God moment, too, where I'm like, yeah jesus you know like jesus like like what is going on here like i've never been this good at
0: powerful man that is insane
1: uh, yeah and it's funny because a lot of times like like people ask they think it's some kind of childhood passion or something but really it was a calling and uh so i just you know one thing led to another we did a mixed martial arts show at the national in the nwa southwest arena Mm -hmm. uh which was my first time ever going into um in any perfect like indie wrestling, you know, and indie wrestling wasn't big back then. It was starting to get big. Right, right. Backyard wrestling was starting to get big. Oh yeah. And so, um, that was the first time I met Rodney Mack and jazz. And, um, you know, I met a lot of other people in that time period, like the Necro butcher, um, team extreme, which were the NWA world tag team champions back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, action Jackson, who's kind of like a Texas wrestling legend. Uh, Dan Severn came through there. Wow. Uh, uh, and wrestled Rodney Mack a couple of times. Um, I think it was Naoa Ogawa came through there. So it was just, you know, kind of a, a, for me, a place of kind of like of of a, of a connection point. Yeah. And that was, and it wasn't long after that, my MMA instructor moved to Florida and um, I got linked up with some backyard wrestlers who actually the, the one of the guys was on our podcast last week uh, that, that, like, Helped me get into, I guess you could say, get into the business, but really a bunch of kids like goofing off in the backyard. Um, and next thing you know, like I'm you know, I'm doing these backyard shows, and um, that was when I kind of ran into Rodney Mac and Jazz. And and you know, and some of these backyard shows, I mean, we had Necro Butcher out there, Rodney wow. and Jazz were on these shows, like these were these had we had some legitimate wrestlers out there.
0: That's crazy to think Butcher, about.
1: Yep. Yeah, little did you, little did you know that Necro Butcher almost didn't make it uh, into the business because of these shows. Because Awesome and Crusher Kong almost killed this guy.
2: I mean, I
1: have never in my life seen a human. I mean, you know, I'm just getting into the business, and and you know, we all people have these perceptions of wrestling, but Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, Flynn, you know what I mean? Like, it's not what people think.
0: No, it's not.
1: Um, If it was as bad as if it was, if people knew how bad it really is. They probably outlaw it, and that's most of the reason why we—they they say kayfabe is dead, but kayfabe cannot be dead as long as wrestling exists because very true. We shouldn't even be able to—we shouldn't be able to even do it, to be honest. Um, and I have a scar on my—you can't—I don't know if I'm gonna have the audio—if you're just gonna have audio or video, but I have a big scar on my neck to prove that. Yes, you know it, it does have long-term um, of consequences. So anyways, uh, one thing led to another from the backyards. I I actually ended up wrestling Necro Butcher at one point, knocked one of his teeth out uh, before I was ever even trained as a wrestler. And, you know, I kind of had this kind of like I wanted to do all these moves, but all I knew how to do was, like, fight. Yeah. So I kind of had this hybrid style of, like, like basically like MMA, but, you know, I would do springboards and all this Uh stuff. And eventually I met Rodney Mack and I'm kind of landing here just because this is when my really, my wrestling career began. I'm just kind of giving you the, the, the kind of the crazy story behind it.
0: Right. Right. And
1: uh, Rodney and I met, I went to practice with him for the first day and like, I felt like I was at like college, I was in college sports all of a sudden, you know, and that was my age too. My dream was to play college baseball. Mm -hmm. And Rodney was a, a former all American collegiate wrestler, all American collegiate football player jazz was an all-american track star all-american basketball player and these guys had been legitimate stars uh in in their collegiate sports rodney had you know had nfl tryouts and, you know jazz had torn her acl i think she was like olympic bound or something i don't know i, I don't think, know exactly the whole story i think you're these right guys though guys were like well these guys were like elite athletes yeah and so once i started training with them I, it was like i had moved stepped into like like my dream, you know, like, right. like not only was I doing the thing I was the best I'd ever been at, but I'm, I'm hooked up with these people. And I feel like, you know, I just said to myself, this will be my college sport, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm going to do this for four years, just like, a, just like a collegiate athlete. I'm going to give it everything I got. And, you know, after four years, we'll see, we'll see where it goes. Uh, and that was about again, around about the same time I started becoming a personal trainer and I was dual bivocational, doing those two things for 16 years.
0: Man, that's crazy to think about. And that's that's also one thing um that I want to talk about too in the middle of all this is how do you manage both careers like when it's so like travel with wrestling or you know you're beat up and sore but you still got to go in and you know like work with a client the next day? How did you manage uh juggling both of those careers?
1: Honestly, they were perfect for each other. Yeah. Uh to do to do professional wrestling, I mean, you need to have at least at most, you know, at least Friday, Saturday, Sundays, like off. Yeah. Um, to be honest, at first I was a tanning salon manager. I managed a tanning salon. I was actually like a store manager. Yeah. Uh, Another wrestling making- essential. <laughs> right. Of course. They worked out great and I got a free <laughs> gym membership with it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so the-, the interesting part about that was I was making more money after like one year of high school, like right out of high school. Wow. I was making more money than most of my friends made after four years of college, having a degree. Wow. Cause I was like, I was on salary. I was making commission. Like I was running a, a store making $40,000 a month for this company. And it just, it was just really good at sales and, oh, and yeah. I just was good at the job. And uh, so I was making a lot of money. My boss was really cool with whatever I wanted to do. So I did that mostly through my training and then once I got out of training, uh, I actually went straight to TV. I started doing local television. And when I say local TV, most of the time people think like, you know, crappy production, but this is a high production stuff. Uh, we were on, you know, uh, UPN uh, Saturday mornings. Yeah. And it's crazy because like my coach who kicked me off the, the, the baseball team had to watch me wrestle on Saturday morning, you know, <laughs> and it's funny. One day we ran into each other at, at the mall and he saw me, and it's like there was fear in his eyes, you know. Like it's, he, he, could, he he thought I was gonna like slam him right there in the mall, and you know he 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 actually apologized to me, and he's like, you know, I I I felt like I did I kind of did the wrong thing. You 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 were you were a lot better than, well, you know, it's basically everything I ever wanted to hear. And yeah, talked a little bit. He found out that my home life was really rough, and you know, but we both agreed that it worked out for the best. You know, absolutely going to be a world champion baseball player uh so it it worked out I still love baseball to this day Uh, one of my good friends Manimal, uh who is another you know traveling wrestler we traveled a lot yeah he was with Uh, you for our match I believe right right so he you know him and I still talk baseball all the time but um you know it, it just uh you know I I you know being a Eventually, I had to get into the training because it was a lot more flexible, Mm -hmm. but yet I could make the same amount of money in a shorter in a shorter work schedule.
0: Absolutely, because
1: personal trainers make a lot of money per hour. You know, um, got into that, and uh, you know, really, you can control your schedule. And as long as I was making my boss's money, which I always made money (laughs) in both of my careers, you know, like they were okay with whatever I wanted. My clients loved me, and. Most of my clients that I started with uh, were still with me when I left uh, Texas in 2018 uh, wow. to go to Bible, to go to start Bible college and uh, kind of started the, the the path that I'm on right now. And uh, so, yeah, I had clients, I, you know, I had just a great uh, group of people that we all uh, just had a great thing going. And,
0: Absolutely. Uh,
1: it, they understood what I did, and but they were OK with it because they got what they needed out of it. I got what I needed mm-hmm. out of it. I think the the only time I really wrestled full time in my career was probably for about a three year span, from like 2011 to like 2013, right? 2010 something in that mm-hmm. range, and my world title kind of run was right in the middle of that. Yep. Um, but up to that, but to me, I just I always was wanting to make. I always want to have as much money as I could. So I was, you know, even if I'm only working Monday through Wednesday you know i could train a lot of i could train 25 30 hours worth of clients and at 70 80 dollars an hour i could always make i could make a week's worth of money in like 3 days
0: absolutely and so
1: you know that just kind of was my thing for the longest period of time the two kind of went hand in hand and mm-hmm. um you know that that was just it just worked out
0: yep so going back into the world title situation How many years in were you at that point when you started kind of getting on the radar to get your name into consideration and start climbing up the ranks for that? How many years in were you to your career?
1: Well, you see, it's very ironic you ask that. I told you that I started with the NWA or I was around the NWA right at the beginning of my career. Yep. And right when I started, uh, Hot Shot Cassidy was the number one contender or not the number one contender. I think he was the world champion uh Cassidy Riley yes yes I I know you know him oh yeah he is and uh so anyway so him and I had like a series of matches oh I started working for the NWA because Rodney Mack was the Texas NWA Texas champ Mm -hmm. he was wrestling Dan Severn for the world title Oh, buddy and uh so you know Jazz was in ECW by this time yep and uh so so basically I'm in the locker rooms just trying to get a match on the NWA and eventually I did Wow. And, uh, you know, I mean, I was such a good singles wrestler, like right off the bat. Uh, my very first singles match, my very first singles match before I was even going by the name Kevin Douglas, I was wearing a mask back thing because I looked like I was 12. <laughs> and uh it was the only way I could get, you know, I felt like the fans would at least respect me. They didn't know how old I was. They could, Absolutely. They could assume I was this, you know. My very first match as a wrestler, I mean, as a singles wrestler, untrained was for a champ. was for a world We're not a world but a junior heavyweight championship at a local promotion where we wow. drew like a couple hundred fans and it was i was a fill-in because the guy that was supposed to be there no showed. Oh. and i just like forced my way into the match and you know back then you know i didn't know what i was doing but i i had kind of a knack for it so mm-hmm. i was doing all these springboards and all these moves and we were getting pops and like when I came back there, like oh my god, like whoa, we didn't know you could do that. Yeah. I, like, I did, but y'all didn't. <laughs> and uh, my next match was a title match, and I won. Wow. And uh, interestingly enough, like a few matches later, I broke my ankle. Oh. And that's when I shell uh, went on the shelf um, and came back out of the injury as Kevin Douglas, and that was when I became like like kind of my my namesake. And I was the pound for pound best wrestler in the world. That was kind of the way I I packaged myself. I was just a great wrestler. And it's funny when people are like, what's your character? And I'm like, I'm a wrestler. And they're like, that's actually a character, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah, Yeah. you see all the crap out there. Like somebody just goes out there and wrestles is its own character. Absolutely. Made my name being a great technical wrestler and, Interestingly enough, Daniel Bryan and I's careers kind of paralleled uh, for a long time in that nice. in that era because we had the same kind of style, mm-hmm. same kind of training. Both of us were trained by Texas, you know, legendary Texas wrestlers and yep. legendary Texas territories and all that. And uh, so I started wrestling for the NWA eventually and, and getting title matches, eventually became the Texas junior heavyweight champion and then had a little baby feud with. Cassidy and that was kind of what put me on the map for the NWA world junior heavyweight title and I was slotted to actually win them by, win that belt like back in 2001 wow and the belt was going to come to Texas and I was going to you know I told Ken Taylor the promoter because he loved me because I was ambitious and I really wanted the brand to go far And mm-hmm. regardless to what people said about him like, he wanted to do good. He wanted to have good shows. He was a big-time wrestling fan. He really loved wrestling. He just may not have been the most social guy. But yeah. But that didn't mean he didn't – you know, he anybody that, – that's why he loved me and Rodney. We were just so serious. And uh, so anyway, so he was ready to, like, petition and politic for me to become the champ. And then the company I was doing TV for on UPN – kinda of put me in this no compete situation. Oh.
2: And
1: uh I was young yeah. in my career, didn't really know better. And I, I bought into that crap.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
1: quit wrestling for the NWA, but on good terms. And then a month later, the guy that I used to beat all the time became the world champ. His name is Mike Thunder. Oh, and you can go look yeah. at the annuals of, of rest of the World Junior head. That was my that was supposed to be me. I wow. beat Mike Thunder like was the guy I beat all the time. And I got I got I got matches where i beat him on tv for the other company i worked for called pcw which is professional championship wrestling mm-hmm. um and there was just this long break where i just just didn't end up wrestling for the nwa for a long time and uh i called ken taylor i don't know why i called him i can't remember what it was i was just you know i was a, I was an enterpriser you know i was always yeah. looking for new places to work and and market and i had really started uh, pushing like youtube at that time and I had a huge following on MySpace, you know, before Facebook was huge. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I was doing a lot of my own, like, marketing and pushing myself really heavily in message boards. I would pop into these message boards and, like, post my videos and stuff. And people would either love me or hate me and trash me or whatever. And, uh, you know, I had had my claim to fame at that point was in 2007 wrestling for a company named XCW, which we had actually pay-per-view on mav tv and uh you know it was a big deal back then i mean wow. we have great production you can even go on youtube now and see the match where i wrestled daniel bryan and pinned him one two three wow the same week yeah it was like that same week he had been named pound for pound the best wrestler in pwi magazine Woo. so that had validated me as like my gimmick. absolutely you know, like validated my gimmick i'm like look see i told you i'm told pound you i'm the best wrestler in the world because i just beat daniel bryan one two three and I made DVDs of that match, and I put that thing out everywhere anybody would watch it. And that kind of got my—I mean, I was getting booked everywhere because of that. And um, so I thought, you know, this is a—you know—around 2009, I think it was when I started talking to Kim Taylor again. And we just kind of were talking, and my first conversation with him, I was just—you know honestly, we were just happy to talk to each other, you know, like we liked each other. And it was just weird that it took so long for us to hook back up. It'd been almost 10 years. Right. And, uh, I was like, Hey Ken, you know, I, I'd love to come work for the NWA. Uh, can we, can we make the fig the month, can we make the money work? And can we make the idea, what, what kind of ideas? And, oh, he was just ecstatic. And he was like, Oh my God, I'm so glad you called. I'm looking for a good junior heavyweight right now. And, you know, like, this is perfect. And I literally won the title, like, two matches in, the Texas title. Like, yeah. two matches in to being back. And so I'm the Texas NWA Southwest Junior Heavyweight Champion. And then uh, kind of the stars aligned. Ken put on a show where Adam Pierce was wrestling Charlie Haas for the NWA World mm-hmm. Heavyweight Championship. And I wrestled in a four-way for the, the NWA Southwest Championship. And we stole the show. And, you know, like just literally stole the show. And, you know, at that point, all anybody could talk about was me and how how I should be the next, you know, thing in the NWA or whatever. It was just a big buzz for me after that match. And that was actually when I met one of the guys from my podcast, uh, Devin. Mm -hmm. He came to the show and he went back to the Alliance guys and just like, you got to see this guy. He's outstanding. We got to have him on the show. And they really started pumping up my name. And uh, I would say two weeks later, maybe a week later. It was really not very long, because I because a guy named Tony Brooklyn uh, did or Chris Ronquillo did my interview after the Parade of Champions match yeah. where I won the title. And I was like, I'm going to be the world champ, you know, the best are going to have to come to Texas, all this stuff, you know, mm-hmm. the world champ was here and I stole the show from him kind of thing. Yeah, though he had the best, though he had the best promo that weekend, his promos, but his promo that weekend was out. Awesome. Oh, was yeah. killed that promo, dude. Anyway, um, so he ran NWA Houston. So he pulled me into Houston and my first night there. They actually stubbed me in to win the title because a guy named ACH, who you might be familiar yes, with, decided yes. to be their champion. Well, he no showed or something happened. And they were like, I was their guy, I was their guy, you know, especially because Tony and I had, had that interview. And yeah. He was really impressed with me. And, you know, again, we made the money, the money worked. And um, I became the NWA Houston champ. At that point, I'm holding two NWA championships in mm-hmm. a major, major territory, and I'm like, okay, I should be the number one contender now. Like, and so I just made a video, and like, say so you can, I can even link you the video where absolutely, know, I'm in the gym please late do. At night and, yeah, I'm in the gym late at night, and I cut this YouTube video threatening the current world champion. Uh, now I can't remember his name now, but uh, he was the guy that ended up running off to Japan. Craig Classic,
2: yes, he yes. Went off
1: to, so I called him out and actually started stalking him on the internet and stuff. It was a work, but yeah, you know, I wanted him to, i wanted him to think it was real. And uh, you know, it, it, it ended up like I said. Look, I should be the world champ, Craig Classic. I'm gonna beat you up. You know, this is dog pound, Rodney Mac style. This is just how we're trained. Yeah, you know? we're supposed to make we're, we 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 enjoy drawing, blurring the lines between work and shoot, and making people believe it. You know, and so that was just my angle. And so, you know, I, I just had this angle like, hey, I'm going to beat up the world champ anytime I get. If I ever get him in the ring, like, guys, it's going to be for real. I'm going to beat him up. And I did that to draw interest. And it got the eye of the NWA board. Um, and so then, you know, I really started to pick up some steam. And then Craig Classic did exactly what I wanted him to do. Tuck tail and ran to Japan and vacated the title. <laughs> oh, man. And so it was like beautiful. I mean, it was just perfect, you know. And, uh, you know, then we had the tournament for the championship mm-hmm. in uh, North Carolina, which was an NWA board event. They actually put the event on themselves and, um, that was the night that we had the tournament and, um, I beat chase Owens in the finals of the tournament yes. to become the NWA world junior heavyweight champion, you know, uh, dash Wilder from FTR yep. was in that, in that tournament, obviously chase Owens, who's still going really strong right oh, now, yeah. was in that tournament. Caleb Conley was in that tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scorpio Sky was in that tournament. It was a really, really, you know, big names yeah, in that. A who's you know, who? A bunch of guys that you, yeah, that you'd know later. And um, you know, I came out the winner, and, and I truly believe I won that tournament because I had the best promo. We all sent in our video promo videos, and I worked. I must have did a hundred takes on it. <laughs> And, you know, like, I just, I must have spent five hours on that and um, made sure the lighting was right, like everything, Oh yeah. You know, and just tried my hardest to put the best I could out there to show them that I was their best guy.
0: Absolutely. And,
1: uh, you know, going into North Carolina, not knowing that I was going to win or not, um, you know, really not knowing as the show went on what they were going to do, I uh, eventually got my hand raised and uh, the next day, believe it or not, a friend of mine sent a link to this website that um determines day by day who the most googled professional wrestler is in the world wow and and the day after i won the world junior heavyweight title i was the number one search wrestler in the entire world that wow. day. the only day of my life but that's I was awesome on the list ever again but it was really funny to see your head name above like Steve Austin, yeah, like John Cena, and like then I'm like, holy crap! I would back then I wish I would have took a screenshot. You know, we didn't have screenshots
0: back then, right? Right, but that's uh, amazing. You know, control though.
1: print maybe, but <laughs> but uh, needless to say, you know, kind of after that, the rest was history. Mm-hmm. And I think that catches your listeners up to maybe where where you and I ended up absolutely uh, meeting face to face.
0: Yep. And then what really stuck out to me too is like one like I knew you were coming, and then. <clears throat> You know, I will get into my story about the night before when we actually met, uh, before our match, but, like, one thing that stuck out to me, too, is I believe they had a new belt made, and then they also had uh, Percy Pringle, you know, also known as Paul Bearer, present that title to you when you won it. Is that, is that correct?
1: That is 100% correct. Um, so, William Moody, um, man, he, uh, Give me a second, man. This guy, like.
0: You're good, man. You're good. um, He,
1: uh, you know, from the very first time uh, I stepped foot in NWA Hollywood uh, production studios, Mm -hmm. um, he invited me into his locker room. He fed me. Um, We talked about being Christians and our walk with Jesus. Um, He knew that I was from Fort Worth. Which he broke in in mm-hmm. world class, and you know, it's just very rarely do people of that caliber just treat you absolutely. Like you matter, you know, absolutely. like you're a big deal. And and he told me like he's like he just he just loved me like we just it just one of the things. And every time I was on a show with him, he always had me in his like lo- he always had a private locker room, and he always invited me in his locker room. We'd always have a talk and. You know, he would always just kind of, you know, give me advice and that whole thing. And so for him to be the one to present the belt to me oh, yeah. was like a moment for me in my career. Not only that, but he managed me that night. Wow. Um, he cut a promo uh, at the beginning of my match and the whole night. I mean, it was just a it was amazing. Just a big deal for me and uh, definitely a memorable moment in my career. And uh, yeah, because since Craig had taken the belt uh, to Japan and really just kind of really just kind of messed up his own legacy in, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, they had to have a new belt made, and, and Percy was the one to present it to me. In, uh in Louisiana for NWA Wildcat, which was like, uh, which was Luke Hawk, yes, Luke Hawk's promotion. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so it was a, that was a big night for me, and uh, that kind of like kicked off like my big run, you know, my big my big traveling circuit. Though I had already been to Hollywood once yep. up
0: to that point. Man, that's amazing. That is absolutely amazing. And you know, just circling back then to us meeting for the first time, like I remember this day so vividly. I w- literally had to rush from work because I had just done a-, a brand new store opening. Got to the show, and up until that point, too. Like truth be told, I had to fight to get the finish of my match changed so that it would make sense for me to be the person facing you the next night, or whoever was going to win or be the winner of your match the night before. Because I was working uh, the, at that point, NWA Mid-America X Division champion, but he wasn't licensed to wrestle in Kentucky. And the stipulation was whoever won our match was going to face you the next night. And my simple logic was, how are you going to advertise that if you want him to still be your champion and face this guy the next night? How does that make sense? And ultimately, logic won out. I hate to say that I played politics, but, you know, that's – what it was, and I wanted that match to mean something, but, like, not only that, like, I wanted to make sure that I was the guy that was facing the guy that carried himself like a legitimate world champion, because you were there in a three-piece suit, you you had the whole deal, you represented the championship and the title and the NWA, like, you just had the full image, and I wanted to make sure that I was the obvious choice to face you, and give you that good, like, champion versus champion, heel versus baby match, and, like, you had a three-peat of shows that weekend and I just want to know too, like in the middle of all that, when you've got three different guys on three different shows that you have to face, what is it like for you to go in if you've never met these people before? How do you keep yourself from getting anxious or nervous and keep everything in line to get the end product that it needs to be?
1: I would have to say like the main thing goes back to my training. Mm-hmm. Um like not only was you know, was I made for this like by God himself. Absolutely. And and did I know did I know it, you know? But also I was not only made for it, but I was trained for it. I mean, I was prepared, like bred for it. Because you know, Rodney Mack took me so seriously as as a as a protege and so did Jazz and Mm -hmm. you know, getting to have those guys in in, as my the people I wrestle every day and go to the gym with every day for two years. And then to have Bull or Manimal uh, come in, like, you know, a, not too long later, one of the best heavyweight workers in the entire state of Texas and mm-hmm. one of the best heavyweight workers to travel the country um, when when he was doing that. To have that is, like, what I'm doing every day. You know, going and doing indie shows, to me, was like, it. it it's hard to really – go against anybody like that caliber yeah on a nightly basis and again we're talking about a, a, a Rodney like one of the best heavyweights of his era
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and not only that but just like one of the scariest uh one of the baddest dudes you'll just yeah. ever meet in your life Ooh, you know yeah. like Rodney beat beat up people in real life you know <laughs> not mm-hmm. just in wrestling you beat him up in real life and then Jazz you know probably the greatest female athlete ever to step between the ropes um, in terms of just literal, just straight up athletic ability, I've never seen an athlete like that in my life. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, be wrestling a 280 pound All American defensive lineman and then a 300 pound, you know, uh, offensive high school, uh, you know, all whatever offensive lineman and in, in bull. Uh, and then, of course, you know, just having that every day as you're training. Um, when I went out to wrestle, like, I was just like a, like a, like a buzzsaw, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I just tore through people. My record against people in my weight class was over 90% wins.
0: Wow. I mean,
1: I very, I barely ever lost to anything but a heavyweight. Wow. And anything but a legend or, you know, a big, a giant guy. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, and, and most of that was because I was, a, I'll say no. You know, I'm like, no, sorry, but I'm the best guy. I I'll, I'll lose to your heavyweight because you're not tarnishing my 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 thing, but yeah. when it comes to like the junior heavyweight division, like you know, I, I'm I'm the best guy out here. You know, Absolutely. I've got many victories over this guy, this guy, and this guy. There's no way I'm going to tarnish that by losing to so and so or so and so. Absolutely, but there's there's the mindset behind it, but also too, like I was having fun. You know, I loved wrestling, mm-hmm. and I was excited. You know, I believe I wrestled um, Sean Schultz. I can't remember. Sean Schultz yep. the night before we wrestled.
0: Yes. And then Derek Neal um, and, and was the again, night after.
1: Derek Neal was the one in Lebanon, right? Yes, that's Jesus correct. Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. Woo! Like that was a weekend of like literally classic wrestling matches because yeah. Derek and I wrestled for like forty five minutes. Yep. Uh I know we didn't have a short match at all. I refused to do short matches. In fact, that was Absolutely. one of my criteria uh when I would wrestle. Like it wasn't just My pay that was discussed, but like I need a 30 minute segment of your show. Yep. And I, you know, if I need a promo, I need a segment, I need to sign autographs. Like I'm here to make an impact on your show. And if you put me out there for 10 minutes and that's it, it there's no point in having me here.
0: Exactly. And
1: so, you know, and I wanted to take the best wrestlers across the world to their Mm limit. And so for me it was like I I knew I could wrestle 60 minutes a night, three nights in a row, because I did it all week. And so to go out and do it on the road, the only thing that was hard was maybe I was a little tired or, or hungry, yeah. but um, so, yeah, that was kind of my mentality. Uh, and I, I just remember that weekend, like, all, all of the guys in that area know how to work. Like, that's something that's actually really cool about those mm-hmm. that area is that, you know, a lot of rec I would go, people wanted to do a bunch of stuff. They didn't know how to work, you know. They had to do – they just want to do matches and bumps and – you know, like not even understanding, telling a story. Yep. But um, every match I had that weekend, I, just was, I, I mean, we just told stories and we, we worked. And uh, you know, knowing how to work can save your body a lot too. Oh yes, so it I can. think A little bit of that, you know, a little bit of that came from just just all of us having really like legitimate working matches. Every match I had that weekend, we had heat uh, yep. in the match, and we we got responses and reactions. Everybody played their part and. You know, one of the agreements that I had made, which is kind of sad that the agreement wasn't honored, was that hey, I'll come through and you know win the titles with your guys this time, but next year, like bring me back in again and let me lose to all your guys when I'm not the champ if I'm not champion, you know, right, when I'm not right. the champion. Bring me back in and let let these guys get their. Oh, wow, see, back. I didn't
0: even know that and, part uh, of it.
1: That was every place I wrestled as champion. I wanted to go back the following year or whenever I was a champion and, and do the job for the guys that I that man. did the job for me. And that's just the way the business works. Yeah. It should work. Um, and some places honored it, some places didn't.
0: Now, man, I'm so, so disappointed that it didn't have – I didn't even know that was an option. But, man, I wish. I wish. It's old school. <laughs> it, is, it is. And that's something I, I hate to say you don't see that much of anymore, but – you know it is it is what it is but even getting into that point cuz like i know a year later i ended up wrestling chase owens for the title in lebanon that uh you know pretty much a year to the day but right before that you guys got involved in a feud but then right before y'all's final match i think you were stripped of the title what yeah. what was that like where you didn't actually get a chance to either be beaten for it or you know like to go out on your sword what was that like mentally for you not only as a performer but as an athlete too where nobody has physically beaten you to win a world's championship what was that like for you
1: well I I would say this ask me how many you know how many NWA world junior heavyweight championship matches I ever got again after I lost the belt how many I had one. Yeah, against Chase Owens, and that was it. The After cage that, match, I never correct? Never for the title again. Yeah, cage match. Ugh. Never wrestled for the title again.
0: That's a um, shame.
1: So, so again, I you know one loss, in, one one loss in, in the one. I had one loss in my my wrestling history uh, in the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship uh, category. So the so what happened? So interestingly enough, I had gotten uh, in a little bit of trouble the night before my flight. And I Ooh. had ended up not being able to make my flight, and uh, you know, instead of you know, I understand they were upset. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I get it. Like, I, what am I, I? I get it. You know, nobody. But we're talking about the wrestling business here. Yeah, we're talking about like, you know, where guys come into the locker room literally drunk and
0: high, hung mm-hmm. over, like, whatever. Yeah,
1: mind and you know, showing up three hours late to a show or a guy no, some of these guys on no show these promoters five times in a row and they still book them yeah and it's like a guy who's never had this happen ever you know never missed a show in my life never been late to a show unless it was like mm-hmm. missed my flight or something crazy yeah you know um for them to not really have any uh like for them to just make that move right away uh, and really, like, I thought it hurt Chase more than anything because Absolutely. he didn't beat me, buddy, for the title. You know, yeah. like, he never really beat, beat me for the title. And even even in the cage match, he didn't beat me clean, you know? So it's That's not like right. I never really lost a clean match, you know? It was like they never – and I honestly had no problem doing that. Um, but for for me, like, to say, well, you never lost the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship, that doesn't hurt me at all. In all reality, it does not hurt my feelings one bit. Like I never got—I mean, I can to this day I can lay claim to—yeah—to to, being an undefeated world champion. So it didn't—it didn't really hurt my feelings too much, um, you know. Like life—life life went on. Uh, you know, I was having my own personal problems at that point. Mm-hmm. I was really drug, struggling with drugs and oh. alcohol, and a lot of problems in that area. So to me, it was like you know. What I needed more than anything was like people to surround me and support me. Yes. And uh, you know, at that time, I really didn't have a whole lot of that going on, and uh, that was eventually uh, why I ended up leaving the industry uh, and going into ministry. Was because you know, just like, just like when I like when I became a wrestler, you know, I had reached a point in my life where I just didn't know what else to do. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what what was next, and and I just Pray to God. Literally the same prayer I did when I was 17, when I was 18 years old in high school and said, I I need your help. I need to know where to go and what to do. And, you know, he met me there that day and said, you're going to retire from wrestling. You're going to go into ministry and you're going to share the gospel with people and, you know, uh, whatever, what you thought you did in wrestling. Uh, Is going to pale in comparison to what you're going to do for the kingdom. And absolutely. uh, You know, wrestling never sent me to Germany. Wrestling never sent me to Africa. Wrestling never sent me to Central America. Wow. uh, You know, all the things that ministry has done for me. Wrestling's never, you know, I've never seen a person get, you know, with crutches get up and walk away uh, because, you know, because I prayed for them. I never saw that in wrestling, you know. So Mm -hmm. uh, God was true to his word. And what he said was like, you know, um, you're going to see greater things in this phase of your life than you ever did in, in the wrestling, in your wrestling career. And, you know, he Absolutely. took me that far and I, I believed him. And, you know, I, I walked away from the business in June 21st, 2014. And that wow. was the beginning of my, uh, my ministry, me going into ministry Damn. and, um, basically making a huge uh, pivot in, in my life. And instead of living for myself, I started to live for Christ.
0: Man, that's a that's so powerful. Like I didn't even realize that it was that that close together and I didn't even realize that that's what it was that led to you actually exiting professional wrestling. Like that's a powerful thing. And when that happens too, like and you you feel the call from from the Lord to move you in that direction and he answers you when you need him the most, like do you still like for me personally getting out of the business the time or two that I have? It's like it never leaves your system, but when he's pulling you into ministry work, does it get hard to like fight the urge to wanna go back in or, you know, like have those itches for the business? What's that like?
1: You know, it's really funny. Um, one night, you know, after i I'd made this move and I, you know, I'd gotten off of I was I was homeless, like I was couch hopping, finally oh, got wow. my place um finally had gotten you know I was making more money as a personal trainer mm-hmm. at that time um than I had ever made and I'd only been you know doing it for a month uh because I was doing wrestling full-time and I got back into training I was making more money than I'd ever made in my life uh you know I was living in my own place yeah and but i would just never forget like Friday night you know it was a Friday night I'm I'm at my my gym that I worked at by myself because I had a key and I could go in there and just work out and I, I no one was answering their phone and you know like at the time I, I my license was suspended so I couldn't drive really mm. so I'm just like you know what I'm just gonna work out and spend time with God and you know I'm sitting there and it's Friday night and I'm all alone you know and and I'm, I pop on social media and all my friends are in front of wrestling crowds
0: oh and
1: I'm all by myself you know. And it and it it for it really hit me, and that was the last time it hit me too. Just to be honest, like it hit me hard. Like I was like, man, like do I even matter anymore? Yeah. And I had I put on a sermon, and it was actually by a preacher named Stephen Ferdek. He's not a guy that I listen to all the time, but you know mm-hmm. he's a fantastic preacher. And uh, he told a story just about how, you know, when David. When David, who obviously, if you know, the story of David and Goliath became king, he was he was anonymous for for a long, long time before he actually became king. And, you know, the point was that, that, you know, sometimes God's most precious things he'll hide out just for himself for a period of time just to be with just to be with you. Mm -hmm. And I realized I was like, you know what? God's here. Like, I don't need a crowd. I don't need the affirmation of anybody.
0: Absolutely.
1: Uh, He's here with me. And once i came through that that was it like never again did i really desire uh to like really be in front of a crowd like that uh, i had a few i've had a few pop-ins here and there with mm-hmm. different places and uh you know at that point i remember speaking to a friend of mine who actually was with me in tennessee when i wrestled chase owens to lose the bell his name's houston carson now he's a very successful oh yes yeah down here yeah down here in texas, yeah. Yeah, down here in texas. And I remember actually talking him through that same thing because he was trying to retire. And, you know, it's a tough thing to go from being really important one day and the next day nobody cares. Yeah, And uh, you really have to be grounded in, like, what you believe. And for me as a Christian, like, it, it nothing – as long as you're important to God, like, it really doesn't matter how important you are to people. And it's not that that doesn't matter too and not that you don't need people. That's right, kind of absurd. Right. But in moments like that, you know – to know who you are, it really makes a big difference. And so, yeah, it just really, at that point going forward, I really never missed it too much, to be honest. Like I really didn't. And, uh, it's really funny because I hadn't, I didn't watch wrestling for like a year after my, my retirement. Yeah, And then one day I was at home and I, and I popped on NXT just to see what it was all about. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I hadn't watched wrestling literally in a year. And, it was like i was watching wrestling for the very first time again wow and you know like like i i just really realized like i really loved this like before i became a wrestler like i i still love it you know like like i love baseball like yeah. i love you know a good movie and i'm like i still love this like there's no reason for me to like be bitter or or not be happy for mm-hmm. all the young guys that are making it now and, and i've watched so many guys keith lee oh yeah, i've yeah. got two clean victories over keith lee
0: oh you know like right like,
1: Guys, that guys that I've you know that I've wrestled or or know I've seen I've seen dozens and dozens of them come up that same age as me, like that guys that I was better than. Yeah, and and I just you know I'm I'm not jealous, I'm not bitter, I'm happy for him. Like Absolutely. I'm glad, like I'm happy where I'm at. You know, like I'm married to a beautiful woman, and like you know it's eighty degrees every day where I live, and I mean it's like I, I just. I just you know like i said it just kind of whatever whatever bitterness i had towards you know what i maybe didn't do Mm -hmm. um just kind of went away and and i just became grateful and and happy for everybody that that did it and guys that did it past you know past their the time that i did you know if they ask me should i keep doing it i'm going to tell them no uh you shouldn't but that doesn't mean i don't love them and and then i don't support them and then don't pray for them you know um it's just one of those things that, uh, for me, the time was over, and that's that. Man, that's and, you know, it's hard to hard to complain.
0: Absolutely, uh,
1: when when life is good, you know. So, yes, sir. So that was kind of the the swan song for me.
0: Man, that's so powerful. And then, man, really, I've just got one last question, and it's more it's more ministry and you know Christianity based. But when you when you see the state of the world today and how crazy it is, and just how the cool thing now for people is to you know, try to handle things on their own instead of realizing that God is with them or that if they pray and ask for the help they need, like they think they have to take this on by themselves. And it's not cool to be a Christian to some people or whatever it is. You know, like, how sure. do you navigate the social waters and still be that example and that Christ follower? Like, how do you not just let get the craziness of the world get to you?
1: Well, the first thing is, I know my history.
0: Absolutely, um,
1: you know, I know my history. I know that when the early Christians in the first century uh, were being burned, burned on crosses for, for to be for light to for to be streetlights in Rome. Uh, you know, Emperor Nero would crucify Christians on the streets mm-hmm. to light up the streets as like lamp lampshades. You know, yeah uh, he, he fed them to lions. Uh, Christians were murdered and, and mm-hmm. persecuted and, and all kinds of terrible things were happening in the world at that time, you know? And uh, it was a very barbaric existence. And so when people today talk about how bad it is, I kind of think they don't, they don't know what they're talking Like they don't really know their history. It's yeah. like, you know, I hear preachers get up there and they talk about how bad the world is and how bad everything is, and, you know, how America, this is, you know, going to, into sin and all that. And I'm just like, you got the same Bible I do. Yeah. Oh, you know, like it, it. We've come a long way. You know, Christianity is actually established. You know, I mean, I, I would say probably in the next fifty years it won't be the most uh, popular religion in the world because Islam will take it over. But who cares? Like, it's not about being the most popular religion in the world. Um, but we've we've had a really like successful run. And, uh, you know, people, people really paid a lot of prices and a lot of the social things that we see today that, you know, women, you know, empowerment of women and the abolition of slavery and, uh, you know, enterprise, just a lot of the the ideas that we use today were started way, way, way back then by Christians, Mm -hmm. you know, Harvard was founded by, by Christians, you know? Yeah. Uh, now does it always turn out like for the good or do, do, do bad things happen? Of course they do. Yep. But the reality is, is like when people try to tell me like, oh, well, how can you have a kid in this world today? And I'm like, well, they had kids back in the first century and it was way worse back then. They had to hide, Ooh, say that they were Christians. Romans would come to their home and like and like make them open their doors and make them either renounce their faith or burn. Um, honestly, dude, the world's not that bad. Right. right. Now. It's not. I think we just don't. We've kind of lost sight or kind of lost perspective on how far we've come. Uh, and we're only relating bad to our own experiences. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I don't get too much into eschatology or like when Jesus is coming back. Cause I know he's coming back. Uh, but you know, I don't, I don't pretend to know, uh, exactly what, you know, what, when or what that's going to be like, I'm just going to continue to like be the best I can be for one, but also to like continue my relationship with Christ and that'll that'll take care of
0: most of it. Absolutely. Man, that is such a powerful powerful answer. And man, I'm not going to lie. I I lied. Well, I'm I did lie. I had one more question for you and I'm going to actually put Keep you going. on the spot with this one. With mm-hmm. with your baby coming later this year. When they're born and they're older and they're, you know, they're old enough to find out what dad did before they, you know, before they came into this world. If you could show them one match of your career, any one match, what would it be?
1: Um gosh, you know, that's good good. Thanks for putting me on the spot on that one. <laughs> You'll
0: um, get to return the favor here in a minute.
1: You know, it's it's actually really hard uh to say to say, I mean, the only wrestler, you know, the wrestler that my kids probably would ever know would be Daniel Bryan, so that mm-hmm. might be the match they would want to see. Okay. Um, Not a bad choice. Certainly certainly one of my best matches. The the match that my wife would want them to see would be my, my match against Chase Owens uh, when I wrestled in Mountain State just because it's on YouTube and oh, she yeah. loves it when I slap him.
2: Uh, <laughs> she thinks it's hilarious.
1: Yeah. Um, but you know it's funny, I and Chase Owens doesn't like me at all, uh, and and I really don't care. I uh, wish him the best. God bless him. You know it. You know I, whatever whatever he doesn't like about me is is his thing. But yeah, I, you know I wish the best for the guy, and I I really loved wrestling him. Uh, and I would say if I were to show them any match, it would be the match that I have because it's high quality. No wait, no no no. Okay, good. I got you now. It would be the, and this is only because it's available. Yeah. Uh, if you're talking about actual matches like that, I can't show them, like that, that's a different story. But right, right, right. I have a match. I have a match against um, a guy named Jack Zaylor who has since taken his own life. Ah, oh, sorry, uh, The match means just a ton to me just because Absolutely. Jack was such a great guy and I love the guy. Uh, but we had such an awesome match, and it's on Hollywood TV. Okay. I'm the world champion.
2: Nice. Uh, you know, I'm in
1: great shape. Uh, you know, it's just one of those matches I felt like would have represented, like, to, to my kid or kids, like, who I was as a wrestler and what I was like. So, Man, I would have I to dig say, if, of what's available, that would be the match I'll have to show them. I um, dig it. You know, unfortunately, I've never gotten to go back and look at our match because I've never gotten to see it and don't know if
0: it exists out there. Right, same here, same here. I thought it was being filmed, but I think I may have been misled, but I would kill to see that footage now. That's all I can say. Whew, but man, now it's uh, it's time for you to return the favor to me and put me on the spot here. And this has become one of my favorite segments of the show. Is not only do I get to you know throw the questions towards my friends and my guests here, but now they get to do it to me, and I am at Kevin's mercy at this point. So, Kevin, whenever you're ready, fire away.
1: Man, I'm pretty pumped about these questions. All right. Um, you know, a lot of them I, I, uh, I had to think about, and some of them I didn't. So my first one, and, and again, I love asking people questions. Yes. So is, thank you for the privilege. Of course. So I'm gonna ask you, I got four four questions about, about wrestling, and then one one question that, that I'm not gonna give you any any uh, warning about. Okay. So who who is your favorite '80s wrestler?
0: Favorite '80s wrestler. You can
1: tell me why, if you want to. If you want to even tell me why.
0: Man, it's uh, hands down because he's still my number two. Like in my top five overall, it's Tully Blanchard, hands down.
1: Why <laughs> Tully? Why do you like Tully so
0: much? Because he was the one horseman, like that everybody hated, no matter what. Like everybody thought Arn was cool, or thought Rick was cool, or thought Barry Wyndham was cool, or even Oly sometimes. But it was always Tully because he was the one that was just like best dressed. Even like even up there with Flair, he was like just best dressed. Had the manager, and truth be told, like my voiceover stuff, like the Flynn Hendricks Enterprises. I completely ripped that off of Tully Blanchard Enterprises. He's the reason I had a robe made to wear in the ring. Like, all that, just hands down Tully.
1: That's pretty cool. You know, I, I think Tully and Arn were the greatest tag team. Same here.
0: They're, Same they're
1: here. they my favorite. They're my favorite of all time.
0: No wonder we um, had chemistry, man. That's That's my pick, too. <laughs>
1: Well yeah, Arn, Arn Anderson, I stole more stuff from his promos than probably anybody else. Absolutely. Um, so so yeah, he was the guy that actually Rodney made me watch. Like nice. he made me watch Arn and Tully, like made me. Like I was forced. Like it wasn't like it was something I had to like suffer through. Yeah. But it, it was it was we used to have like honestly to watching film was like a part of our training and a lot of times it would be two, three hours worth, you know. Yep. And we God forbid you fall asleep during oh, that. Oh boy. It was, and you better take notes, and you better have answers for the questions afterwards. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know that was something I he, Arnold Arn. The best of Arn Anderson was probably my favorite one to watch. Oh, I'm uh, dumb okay, down. now it. kind of in the same in the same vein, my next question for you is: So, who's your favorite '90s wrestler?
0: Favorite '90s wrestler, um, and he's still number one for me is Shawn Michaels, just hands down. And what sealed the deal? Um, not only was it, you know, like the fact that he was a Christian and like that was a point where I was still young and kind of struggling with my faith, but you know, like finding out about his story and how he came to, you know, find the Lord, that was a powerful thing. But then on top of that, I find out, you know, like WrestleMania 21's happening. I see him and Kurt Angle. I'm just, I'm sold. His facials, his selling, his storytelling, all of it. I'm nowhere near as athletic as him, but man, like the attitude everything like no wonder he's like up there with Ric flair as the one in the 1a like it's Shawn michaels yeah. hands down
1: i mean you know Shawn michaels to me like check every box you could possibly yep. check um in terms of like what you'd want from a wrestler yes and, and i guess being a being a guy that kind of in the smaller weight class or the yep. heavyweight division you know a guy that that you would have to definitely say is you know maybe the greatest under 200 or right around yeah. 200 pound 200 200-ish pound wrestler ever to live uh yeah it's hard to it's hard to hard press to beat that and i would say my i would say the best the best wrestling match i've ever seen and this is this is like i i've no, I've, I've really took me a long time to come to this place mm-hmm. king of the ring 1997 steve austin and Shawn Michaels. And this is before Austin had his neck injury. Yeah, and this is before HBK had his back injury. Oh, These guys are man. in their prime, and it's it's the best storytelling, the best technical, mm-hmm. the best athletic. Like there is absolutely nothing about that match that is not just one hundred percent. Absolutely. Perfect. And so uh, a lot of people will talk about you know Steamboat and uh, Macho Man or. Or Steamboat and Flair, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart. There's a lot of matches that they get thrown out there. That oh, yeah. Are very cliche. But uh, to me, like that match was the perfect match. And for your listeners that have never got to see that match, if you don't have the WWE, what is it, Paramount or whatever? Uh, Peacock, I think, yeah. Go watch that match. Oh, yeah. yeah. Go get Peacock, spend five bucks and go watch that match, or just go Google it. I think you can YouTube it.
0: You probably that, can. That match
1: is just absolutely flawless.
0: And I mean, it's um, it's further proof of why when Sean was champion, he requested to work with Steve Austin on these house shows. Like, it, it's it's perfect, hands down.
1: Yeah, yeah. Steve Austin before the injury was the most underrated uh, yes. worker, maybe of all time. I mean, unbelievable. I'll back that uh, up. Okay, cool. So, okay, let's let's now let's get narrow. I'm going to narrow it down. Your favorite modern wrestler today? Like, who would you say today is your favorite guy?
0: Man, um, I'm not even gonna lie. Like, I'm just on a big Dan Housen kick right now, just because he's so entertaining and, and the footage is hilarious to watch. But as far as actual in ring work, man, I'm probably gonna have to go with MJF. Okay.
1: MJ, I, so mine would be uh, Tommaso Ciampa. Yes, oh, that's a his, solid his choice. That that was uh, my I, favorite. I, yes. Man, just just as good as it gets. Um, and also, I'm a little bit partial to uh, Timothy Thatcher just because I have gotten to actually watch him live. Oh the yeah, it's a guy I never really got a chance to wrestle, but I tried so hard to to get Dave Marquez to give me a, oh, give me at least man. one one little run with the guy. Absolutely, so, awesome, awesome. All right, now next question: Who is your favorite Texas wrestler?
0: Favorite Texas wrestler. wrestler? I mean,
1: I mean, you already named Shawn Michaels. We've already talked a little about Steve Austin. Now you can't name Shawn Michaels twice. Yeah, can't name but Tully either. Because yeah, aside from the guys we've already named, you know, give me give me your favorite Texas wrestler.
0: Well, I got to train with his brother. I got to train with Dory Junior. But I'm gonna have to say it's Terry Funk because I mean, like. Just the crazy wild promos, the constant reinvention of himself. Like, I'm not a big fan of the hardcore and the deathmatch stuff, but, like, the stuff he did and the way he would go to bat for the younger guys in his later years and try and get them attention, get them rubs, and just the stuff he did in Japan, like, Terry Funk, hands down, has to be up there.
1: Oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, because Texas wrestling was my my upbringing. Yep. So it's hard for me not to say Kevin or Kerry or David, oh Eric, yeah, which are one A one B one C, just because they were literally my, um, they were my they, they were they were they were like the most famous thing, in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex minus one other thing in the Metroplex, which is a good segue to my last question. Now You need to get ready for this one. Okay. Okay. It's no secret where I'm from. I got the hat. Yep. I'm asking about Texas wrestlers. But if there's one thing that's synonymous with Texas, and everybody knows, the most profitable, most famous team to ever grace any field anywhere, $6.5 billion later in a $3 billion stadium, who is your favorite Dallas Cowboy? Oh
0: America's team. man, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm gonna have to. Uh, oh man, see, I don't know. I've I've never been a Cowboys fan. Don't jump through the screen and kill me. So I can't you even.
1: You love them or you
0: hate them. Uh, man, can I? Is there an indifferent choice? Because I'll be honest, no, I'm not. No,
1: you gotta give me one. You got you to gotta, you gotta uh, know a Dallas
0: Cowboy. You at least know somebody. Yeah, man. Um, I guess, gosh, I guess just because I've heard his name so much, maybe Tony Romo, but I mean, like, I'm...
1: Hey, it's not bad. that's not a bad one.
0: I don't know enough about his career to actually say that I'm a fan, but I know from working in a sporting goods store, I've sold a lot of his jerseys, and, you know, I have friends that are Dallas Cowboys fans, but, like, I've just... I don't know, man. I'm just—I don't watch a lot of pro football.
1: Well, there's plenty of room on the bandwagon. <laughs> uh, we're, we're more than happy uh, to have you. Well, thank have you. you. Here, uh, so uh, so like I said, feel feel free to uh, if you don't have a team, you know, we'll 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 take you. America's team is, uh, you know, when I went to Germany. There is no other. The only thing, the only, the only American teams I saw in Germany were Yankees hats and Dallas Cowboys jerseys. I
0: can believe so, that. I can believe that.
1: You know, you know it's, it's worldwide. So uh, yep. you know, people out here in Florida, they, uh, they, uh, they, they get, they can't stand it, but they have to deal with
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least it's not Alabama, so that's a plus anyway. <laughs>
1: I'm not trying to get killed out here, man. That's a, that's a major rivalry
0: out here. So I, oh, okay. man. I, I'm not afraid to get a little heat, but I won't get you any. So, Well, man, <laughs> that was a blast. And like I said, that last question, that one caught me off guard and definitely put me on the spot. So that was my revenge for my last question. So thank you.
1: <laughs> you got it, brother. You got it, man. I I, I just want to say thank you to you. Oh, of course. Uh, and to all your listeners for giving me the time of day. Uh, you know, you guys – don't realize how good you have it you guys have an amazing host who's an amazing guy and uh you know keep supporting the show keep supporting professional wrestling uh you know again it's it's something that uh it's unique unto itself there's, there's nothing quite like it so absolutely uh, you know, again, thanks for having me and thanks for to your listeners for uh for putting up with me
0: for an oh, hour well man it was my pleasure and I'm just glad that we got to reconnect and especially as we're recording this so you know just a few days past the 10-year anniversary of our one and only match but man again thank you for carving out the time to come on and tell your story and being so honest and vulnerable with you know with everything you shared so I can't thank you enough and man just I'm, I'm so glad that we got to reconnect here tonight
1: Absolutely. Like I said, love to be on anytime and, uh, you know, I'm always willing to give my opinion on anything.
0: Absolutely. Well, man, who knows? We may have it come back around and have you interview me for an episode about wrestling. So may have some fun with that in season three. Who knows? Sounds good. All right. Well guys, for myself, for Kevin, thank you all for tuning in here tonight and thank you for tuning into this awesome episode of the, I know you hear me podcast. If you haven't already, you know what to do. Go find us on your preferred podcasting platform, Google, Spotify, Apple, We're there. Subscribe. Leave a five-star review. Then go find Tales from the Haunt if you're into all things spooky and subscribe to that podcast. Again, it's on all podcasting platforms, so you know what to do there. We're also on social media. Go follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Share it with your friends. Get the word out and keep up to date with everything we got going on and then hop back in the archives and listen to all the awesome guests we've had up to this point. But again, guys, for myself... Kevin, I thank you all for tuning in here this week for another awesome episode. I can't wait to talk to you all again next week, and I'll be back with another great guest then. And I know you hear me. The I Know You Hear Me podcast is a presentation of Flynn Hendricks Interplex thank you for tuning in this week and we hope you'll check out our sponsors and advertisers make sure you check us out next week as we come back at the same time with another awesome episode